are listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. You will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival sermons from great preachers of the past. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all <coughs> be changed. <coughs> First Corinthians 15 and 51. If you notice in that text, there are two alls. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. There's quite a difference in those two alls. They appear they mean the same thing on the surface, but look underneath and you'll find they do not. When it says we shall not all sleep, that means that not all the Christians will die and be multitudes, ye millions living when Christ comes. That's what the first all applies to. But the second all applies both to the dead in Christ and those who will be living when it comes. Therefore, the second all is more inclusive. Scriptures follow the method of contrast. Isaiah in 40 and 6 tells us how that all the glory of the world is as grass and the goodness thereof is the flower that fades. But the word of our God shall stand forever. Peter tells us that the inspiration of the scriptures came not by the wisdom of man, but as holy men were moved upon along by the Spirit of God. John tells us concerning the new birth, he came unto his own, and his own received him not, but as many as received him. Peter tells us concerning our baptism, 1 Peter 3, 21, the last figure went unto baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God. On that second all, but we shall all be changed. Following verses explains to us very clearly what's meant. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised. Then the second. And we shall be changed. That is, we which are alive. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. That does not refer to the dead, but to the living. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, and this mortal shall have put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. That does not refer to the dead. That refers to the living who will not die. Then he gives us the quotation from both Isaiah and Hosea, 
That refers to both the dead and the living. When it says, O death, where is thy sting? That refers to the dead. O grave, where is thy victory? That refers to the living, for the grave will not contain them. I win the victory over them. Notice just briefly, but we shall all be changed. First, when will the change take place? Second, what is involved? What is the change? Third, where will it take place? He tells us very plainly when after the time. He says, at the last trump. He said, the trumpet shall sound. Jesus, in Matthew 24 and 31, speaks of the great sound of a trumpet, at which time the angel shall gather together his elect from the four winds, from one end of heaven to the other. Isaiah says that it will be the great trumpet that shall be blown. And that means that this present age comes to a sudden end. And every wheel of industry shall stop. There will be no argument then as to wage increase. There will be no peace conferences held at Moscow, Washington, London, or anywhere else. When that trumpet sounds, you call all the nations of the earth to the final peace conference of time and eternity. We need not to fear the passing of years, but rejoice that we are one day nearer home. For forty long weary years, the children of Israel wandered aimlessly, miserably, hoping for the cross. At last I heard the proclamation tomorrow. I love those words, one sweet and solemn thought. Comes to me o'er and o'er. I'm nearer home today than I've ever been before. Nearer my father's house where many mansions be, nearer the great white throne, nearer the crystal sea, nearer the bound of land, where we lay our burdens down, nearer leaving the cross, nearer gaining the crown. So therefore, instead of whining and whining about the past of years, rejoice over the approaching victories of glories that earth has not seen. A very dear friend of mine was talking to me not long ago about how he dreaded the tomb. He said, it's to me the most horrible thing that I'm going to be put under the ground in darkness and cold and alone. I said, I don't dread it. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be put on the ground. He said, you're not? No. I said, I'll be somewhere else. He says, what do you mean by that? Oh, I said, they may take this old house and do what they please with it. I'll be through with that. I'll move out of this house into the Father's house. He said, Norris, I wish you'd explain to me what do you mean by that. Why, I said, very simple. Why, I said, it doesn't matter whether I'm left on top of the ground or put under the ground or 
buried in the sea, or cremated, or what? I won't be there. He looked at me as a man of great wealth. He said, you know, I'd give everything in the world if I believed that. Well, of course, he'd given himself over to the making of money and spending it in pleasure, and that's why he dressed to be put under the ground. Thanks be unto God there won't be a Christian on earth ever put under the ground. That's why Jesus said, you believe in me, you'll not die. Now, the second question I want to notice, what's involved in this change? What a change. In this present evil world, in this present world of conflict and anxiety and fears, men's hearts failing them for fear. In this world of poverty, in this world of feudal possessions, I conducted some four fields last week. In this world where we see the tears fall like rivers, unbidden down the cheeks of heartbroken mothers. Yeah, say fast, and our brave lads went out from this church and never returned. Two young people last Tuesday, Christmas Day, went out to Greenwood. There was a five-month-old baby buried there a short time ago. There was no Christmas in that home. As they sat there silently beside the grave of all they loved. And this good mother that came to me a few moments ago, giving me the account, Ms. N. W. Williams, of a brave son, Sergeant Robert A. Nail, after the terrible battle of Corregidor, Matan, on a transport prison ship was sent down. Oh, what shall I say? But we shall all be changed. Changed from death to life. Changed from sin to righteousness. Changed from darkness to light. Changed from earth to heaven. Changed from time to eternity. Changed from defeat to victory. Changed from weakness to strength. All the sins that doth so easily beset. The chains shall be broken. And as Paul cried, Who shall deliver me from this body of death? Thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. What a change! Change from prison files to freedom. Change from the wilderness to the promised possession. Change from Egyptian bondage to Canaan's land. Change from sadness and sorrow into his presence. Change from darkness to sight. The Luana walk by faith. What faith will be followed up in sight. And change with a glorious individual immortality. I read a book recently on Buddhism. And here is their conception of immortality. Buddha said, 
that the individual is sold that lives here, it passes on its life to another as like a great hall filled with bells. And one bell would ring, and another bell would pick up the tone, and another one, and another one would repeat it all through eternity. And the first bell is silent, and the next is silent, and on. They use another illustration that is like a ray of light detached from yonder sun, released. It's absorbed in the great universe of light. I use another illustration. It's like a drop of water taken from the ocean, released. It goes back into the seven seas. That's not the immortality that Jesus brought to the world. The immortality that he tells us about is that we, as we have formed the image of the earthly, we shall also bear the image of the heavenly, and we shall be conformed into his life. So if we want to know what we're going to be hereafter, behold him. It is 40 days of resurrection glow. The Christian, my friends, his life continues on. Eternal life that begins here does not stop from the grave. It does not either of the two. It's out of this body into his presence as quick and quick as thought. So therefore, the eternal life that begins here lasts as long as God himself shall live. Talk about falling from grace. Mary, that's going to lose. I just soon expected God would leave his throne and the universe to burn to the chaos. Not a single one of the souls that Jesus has won shall be plucked out of his hands or out of my father's hands. Therefore, Paul says, you come unto Mount Zion, unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to an innumerable company of angels, to the general assembly and the church of the firstborn, which are written, which are written, which are written in heaven. That's why Jesus said to the seventy. Do not rejoice in what little you have accomplished, but rather rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And if our names redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ are written in the Lamb's book of life, I love to think that there's no power on earth in hell or eternity that can erase the name out of God's eternal book. Where? Why into his presence? I read not long ago the life of old Cuba Cam, the grandson of the great English Cam, who ruled more territory than any man that ever lived. In the 13th century, he swept on into the center of Europe, and then with his conquering army swept down through what is now Manchuria and into China and built. The city of Pekin. 
built the most magnificent palace, the palace of iron and gold, the finest palace the world has ever seen. That city had 16 miles of walls around it. An old publican, every day when he'd sit down at his meals, he required that all the servants and the tenants would stuff stiff handkerchiefs in their mouths, lest their breath should contaminate his food. And that he had 10,000 servants, that every day they would bow before him as the wine glass would be given to him. He had his ministers of state to sit in chairs of solid silver. And on the first day of the year, he would go out on a celebration among his subjects with 1,000 snow-white elephants accompanying him. He was the mightiest ruler of all time. But I want to say to you, my friends, that we have a ruler that did not die like Publican or like an Alexander Hamilton that is in the grave. But one who rose from the grave, and when they took old Publican to bury him, his keen swordsmen on their horses would ride in procession in front and cut off the head of a great company of his subjects so that they could go, they said to be with his master. And when they buried him, they buried his 100 wives alive with him. Thanks be to God, we have a Savior, a conqueror, a King of kings, and Lord of lords, that when we come to sit down in his presence, we'll sit down together with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the seers and prophets and kings and apostles, and all the holy men and women throughout the ages that have gone through life's sweeping way and won their incorruptible crown. So therefore, beloved, what a change it'll take place when the trumpet sounds. It means that we shall be with him. It means the one and finally and complete and only victory that we can and have ever won. May I close by saying, as you change from youth to old age, though the outward man perishes, Yet let the inward man be renewed by faith and courage and all the Christian graces. To me, the most magnificent thing in the world is to see an old man in years, but with character and faith written in every furrow on his face. I conducted the funeral of a great woman down here in Old Rehoboth the other day, Mrs. Kelly. And there was a large company of friends that had lived in that community throughout the county. And as I saw that, that great woman with her husband when both were young, thrown from old Missouri down in a covered wagon. And there stood on the hill the magnificent two-story White House. And I said to her six children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and a great company of friends, she's not dead. She moved out of yonder house on the hill to be in the Father's house above. That's what Jesus meant when he said, 
in my father's house are many mansions. I refer to one of those to Brooks Myers' mother. I said to her the other day, I congratulate you that you're nearing the borderline, that most of your burdens are in the past. I have no sympathy for these people that grew up in the 80s, no. While they hear the music from the other shore, they catch the sight of the glory from the other world. They see the minarets of the city of God that's let down from above. They think of those they've lost and lost a while that they shall see again. They long to be with our Savior. That's what Paul is. When he said, I'm in a great scrape betwixt two, I have a desire to depart and be with the Lord. That's why he said, to die is gain. Lose earth and gain heaven. Lose a tired body and gain one that shall never go weary. Lose tears and gain gladness. Lose sin and gain holiness. Lose sorrow and gain joy. Therefore, we shall all, all be changed. May I make this word to my unsaved friends. Have that change in your life. I love is many of the old time expression. A change of heart. We've lost it. We've quit it. That's why the word of God says in you heart, I will give you. And so therefore today, you've been in the grip of sin. Jed Hoover comes out and says that drunkenness has increased in America. I quote Attorney General Tom Clark for this. A hundred and one percent this year. Oh, God, have mercy. Have mercy on the man that's in the grip of drink. Have pity on his little wife and children. No Christmas in the home of a drunkard. My dear friend, today, take God for the hand and let God take hold of you and have a change from a drunken life to a sober life. You've got trouble in your home. You married and start out happily. Misunderstandings have come. They amount to nothing. You misunderstand your husband. He misunderstands you. You grow apart. Children are born in that home. Have the change today and say, why? Husband, let's come back to our first love. Let's come back to our honeymoon. Thirty-two years ago, this went after the field out here. That was a man, his wife, had been divorced. She sat at one end of the crowd, he at the other. And that family's between. But there was lowered a little white casket in that cold ground. I never shall forget the snow was on the earth. And afterwards, the next day, he came to me. He said, Dr. Norris, I said, that great. That's the best girl that God ever gave a man. And he said, I want to start again. Well, I said, all right, get right with God. And he did. And he went out and told her, he said, I take all the blame. She said, no, I'm to blame. And they threw their arms around each other. When got a new license and raised a very happy family. Oh, then, my friends, today, change, change now. And spire on the road when the morning of the resurrection comes. And all your family circle be complete. Then the Christmas day, while I rejoice, my heart went out to everybody. All 18 of our family present. And there they were happy. Look, the little children, four years, three and a half, hung up to many any grown. And then the night when we prayed and said goodbye, I said, we know not what a day will bring forth. The family circle will may soon be broken. 
But you know, I look at it differently. It, than I used to. Suppose it does, as it may, as it will, if Christ tarries. But it means that one by one we cross over and we shall all be changed. So that won't dry up the tears. Rejoice! And again I say rejoice. Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, that we should be called the children of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it does not yet appear what we shall be. I wish I knew how to quote these words. But we know, but we know, but we know, but we know. I don't know what's going to happen in 1946. It looks pretty dark. I don't know, but here's something I do know. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. And every man that hath his hope in himself purifies himself even as he is pure. Let us stand. Every head to bow. Every head to bow. I want this great house to sing when the saints go marching in. Not a soul moving now for just five minutes. And as we sing this great hymn this last beautiful Sunday morning of this eventful year, a year that ended two great wars, who walked down the aisles. So happy, met a man a while ago, said, I'm coming today. Met a man his wife a while ago, said, I'm, we're coming today. Now nobody moves, every boy and girl, juniors, intermediates. I'm coming today. I'm coming to confess Christ. Obey Him right now. Come on. Thank you for listening to the Classic Sermons Podcast from PreachTheBible.org, a ministry of North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California. To listen to many more powerful sermons, visit our website, PreachTheBible.org.